Would you turn, please, to John chapter 4, the fourth chapter of John. We appreciate that wonderful music this morning that has blessed our hearts. I think we have the sweetest music this side of heaven, and I'm just so grateful for it. Brother Doug Beam does a tremendous job behind the scenes as our radio technician, getting us on and off the radio and recording all the services. These services and the special music are all available on tapes, and I know you would like to have some. Miss Bonnie Brown's playing is available on tapes, and Miss Retha. We're thankful for Miss Retha Clevenger and that wonderful chimes this morning. And Brother Carl's music is on tape. And you can get that. Now turn to John 4, and we want to focus for a little while on the subject, never thirst again. Never thirst again. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the thrill and privilege of singing about Jesus this morning and of just being here in God's presence. Thank You for sending to this place and causing to tune by radio folks who wanted to just be with us today and who were led by thy Spirit to come together. We pray that the Holy Spirit would cause to go from our minds anything that would be satanic, anything that would be uh, cynical, and help us to just focus on the Word of God and feast on it this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to hear thy Word. And may some who have never trusted Christ come to know Jesus today. We ask in His name, amen. <clears throat> I want to read the first 14 verses, first 15 verses of John 4. How many of you have your Bible with you? Lift it up, please. Hold your Bible up real high. That's wonderful. Hold it up real high now. There's a whole group right over there that don't have a Bible. Let's see the choir. That's, they're 100%. That's just great. Everybody bring your Bible with you. And let's open it. You get more out of the Word when we study it together. Keep your Bible open, please, this morning. John 4. Now listen carefully. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or six o'clock in the evening. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, 
and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, it was 125 feet deep. From where then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, and his sons, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. We speak this morning on the water of life, never thirst again. You know the story of Jesus going from Jerusalem to Galilee. Ordinarily, the way to go from Jerusalem to Galilee in the day in which Jesus lived would be to go down the Jericho Road and cross the Jordan River and go north on the east side of the Jordan River, just south of the Sea of Galilee, and then cross back west into Galilee, thus avoiding the despised country of the Samaritans. The Samaritans were called half-breeds. The Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. During the days of the Babylonian captivity, when the strong Jews had been taken to Babylon, there were some weak Jews that stayed in the land of Palestine, and they intermarried with the Hittites and the Canaanites and the others that were left over from the conquest of the land. And when the Jews came back after the 70 years captivity, they found those people who had not been true to their understanding of the Scripture. From that time on, the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. They'd hardly speak. And when a Jew wanted to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, he went out of the country and then came back in just south of the Sea of Galilee so he would not have to go through those barren hills called the Samaritan Mountains. But that was not the way it was with Jesus. The Bible specifically says he must needs go through Samaria. And so it is with those who know the Lord. We must needs go through the Samarity, Samarias of our lives. God has an appointment here, an appointment there, and someplace else for His own people. And we must be obedient to the heavenly vision and do what God tells us to do. And so Jesus went through Samaria. And it was about six o'clock in the evening. It took a long time to walk that long walk from Jerusalem. Some people have conjectured that it might have taken him two days. We've driven through there and there are barren hills and barren mountains and sandy dunes and it's tough. Jesus walked that mountain pass. And about six o'clock in the evening, he came to the place called Jacob's Well. It is located between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. If you read the Old Testament, during the dedication time, part of the Jews stood on Mount Ebal and part on Mount Gerizim and they read the law, the blessings and cursings of obeying the law. That was right there at Sychar. 
Jacob gave a parcel of that ground to Joseph, and Jacob's well was there and had never gone dry. It has not gone dry to this day. You can go there today. And they've built a church over it. But the well is there, and you can look down and get a drink of water out of that well. It's 125 feet deep. Some of our people that went in just a few weeks ago drank from that well. Well, Jesus sat on the curb and his disciples of the well, and, Je and the disciples went into town to buy meat. And while they were gone, a woman came. And she came to draw water, and Jesus said to that woman, would you give me a drink of water? She looked at him. She said, how is it that you're being a Jew? Ask us a drink of water from me. I'm a Samaritan. Don't you know? Are you a stranger in these parts? Don't you know the Jews and the Samaritans don't have any dealings with each other? And Jesus simply ignored that. He said, if you knew who it was that asked you a drink of water, you would ask of him and he'd give you living water. Living water. Never heard of that before. Living water. What in the world is the living water? She got, uh, Jesus got her attention. In a little while, he said, uh, if you would drink of the water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. And she said, never thirst again? You see, she was so thirsty. And this leads us to the first truth in the passage today. What is the real source of spiritual satisfaction? There are lots of things that don't satisfy our lives. In 1923, a group of the world's most successful financiers met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Collectively, these tycoons controlled more wealth than there was in the United States Treasury. And for years, newspapers and magazines had been printing their success stories and urging the youth of the nation to follow their examples. Years later, let's see what happened to them. Charles Schwab, president of the largest independent steel company, lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life and died penniless. Arthur Cuton, the greatest wheat speculator, died abroad insolvent. Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange, was released from Sing Sing some time ago. Albert Fall, member of the president's cabinet, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bear on Wall Street, committed suicide. Leon Frazier, president of the Bank of International Settlement, committed suicide. Ivar Kruger, the head of the world's greatest monopoly, committed suicide. All of these men had learned how to make money, but not one of them had learned how to live. What is it that brings satisfaction? Well, we know wealth doesn't. There are lots of people that think fame would bring satisfaction, but fame is fleeting as the wind and glory fades away. Others think worldly pleasure will bring satisfaction, but the more pleasure you get out of the world, the more you have to have, and the less what you had yesterday seems to tantalize you, and the more, the more uh, uh, you have to get something a little bit deeper, a little bit brighter, a little bit, uh, some more bright lights or something else to thrill you. Human knowledge. 
You may drink deep at the fountain of science and philosophy and literature and music and art, but all these things don't really satisfy our spiritual quest. Human love. Probably there's nothing more satisfying than human love, and yet the deeper you drink at the fountain of human love, the less satisfied you are unless there is something to continually satisfy you. I tried in vain a thousand ways my fears to quell, my hopes to raise, when all I need, the Bible says, is Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus satisfies the human soul. Jesus, Jesus satisfies the spirit. And that's what Jesus was saying to that woman at the Samaritan well. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift that I have to give you, and you would ask of me, I would give you living water and you'd never thirst again. What, never thirst again? No, never thirst again. And that leads us to the second truth in verse 10. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith that he give me a drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. In John 6, 35, listen to what Jesus said. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And in Titus chapter 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that salvation is an experience that is needed by everybody because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. This woman had a problem in her life. She had tried everything imaginable and nothing satisfied. Jesus sort of touched a sore spot in her life when he said, go call your husband. Oh, she said, I don't have a husband. He said, you've, you've answered right. You've had five of them. And none of them satisfied you. And the one you're married, you're living with now, you're not even bothered to marry him because he doesn't satisfy you either. You see, nothing really satisfies you <coughs> because you have a spiritual quest that has never been satisfied. This woman tried one man. He didn't work out so well, so she scrapped him and got a second one. And he didn't work out so well, so she got rid of him and got a third one. And that didn't work out very well either, and so she tried a fourth and a fifth, and finally she just gave up on it and started doing what people are doing today, just live-ins. You'd be amazed how much of that goes on all over Bowling Green. But you see, those things don't really satisfy you. And when Jesus told that woman that, she abruptly changed the subject, and she said, uh, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now, you Jews say we're supposed to worship down in Jerusalem, and we think you're supposed to worship here at Mount Gerizim. Uh, what do you think about that? You see, she wanted to get religious. Have you ever had somebody argue religion with you when you were talking to them about Jesus? Talking to them about their spiritual need? You got onto a sore plot place. You really got going. You know, when they start arguing religion, you know that you've gotten down where they live, and they've started to change the subject. I was talking to a man one day about his need of Jesus. And we got down and he realized he was lost and he knew he was going to hell. 
And when we started talking about repentance, just like that, he said, well, I'll tell you, I grew up a Methodist and I believe in sprinkling and you Baptists all uh, believe in immersing. Now, I don't think there's any difference in sprinkling and immersing. And he gone went on and on. I said, well, that's a, <clears throat> that's a wonderful thing to talk about. Let's talk about that tomorrow when I come back to see you. But let's get back to this other right now. You see, that's what that woman was doing. She was saying, now, the Jews say this and we say this. What do you say? And Jesus said, woman, the, the hour is coming when men will neither worship at Jerusalem nor at Mount Gerizim, for God is spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Whew. She didn't know what to say about that. And she realized a need. And the Bible says she put down her water pots, and she turned to go back to the city. And she found those men with whom she had sinned, and she said, come, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ, the Messiah? Oh, listen. When somebody who has been down in the dregs of sin finally has that heart thirst quenched by water of life, he or she knows where to go out and find the people with whom they've sinned and they can say to them effectively, I found somebody that meets my needs. I found the one who is the rose of Sharon and the bright and morning star and the water of life and the bread of life. And you take of him and you're never hungry again. You drink of him and you're never thirsty again. And so the woman began to bring those men out. There's a third truth here. You see, she got saved. But part of her salvation, Jesus said, part of your birthright of salvation is you never have to thirst again. I give you something that wells up in you, a well of water springing up into everlasting life and ever quenching your thirst. And this is a strange thing because there are lots of Christians going around who say, well, I'm thirsty and I'm not satisfied. And, and they go back to their old ways and they go back to the cold world and back to their old sins. Well, there's one of two things, the problem. Either they never had a good drink of the water of life. You see, it's possible to get religion and not get Jesus. There used to be a song called The Gospel Boogie. It said, everybody's going to have religion and glory. Everybody's going to be telling that story and all that. Well, you know, that's not true. That's just not true. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Everybody walks down this aisle and cries some crocodile tears. Everybody gets in the baptismal pool and gets down under the water. Everybody gets their name on the church roll. That doesn't mean they're going to heaven. That doesn't mean they got saved. Only when Jesus comes into your life and changes your heart. That's when you get saved. Now, when he changes your heart, little by little, he changes the outside. <laughs> but you know, sometimes the Lord has a hard time changing the arts outside. And if you want an example of that, you look at these disciples. Right about this time, while the woman had gone to town and she was getting those men, rounding them up, she really got a dose of Christ. She really got the water of life. And she went back all excited and was going to bring them out. And just about that time, 
<clears throat> the disciples came back and they saw that he had talked with that woman and they raised their eyebrows and said, huh, hmm, the master must not know what kind of woman that was. Did you ever do that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He just didn't know what kind of woman that was. Didn't know what kind of person that was. Listen, God deliver us from smug self pride. Smug selfishness. Where we look down our nose at somebody else. Lots of times in the New Testament they had problems with that. Now you see Christians have some, sort of have a dilemma at this point. While it is true that we need to so order our lives that we honor Jesus <clears throat> and we fill our lives with the things that honor the Lord and look up to the Lord and we need to build friendships of those who are God's people. I like the song that says, make friends of God's children. Your best friends ought to be godly people. Teens, your greatest friends ought to be God's teens. Adults, our greatest friends ought to be God's adults. But that does not mean that we look down our nose at other people or we will not have anything to do with somebody who is like that Jew in the ditch and the priest passed by and somebody else passed by and finally a Samaritan came and helped him. Christians have a dilemma here. Our best friends need to be God's people. But occasionally we need to take one of those best friends and together and there's strength in two or three. Don't forget that. Most of us are not strong enough to go out by ourselves, but there's strength with two or three. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And every once in a while we need to leave that band and go out and find somebody who is away from God and bring them in. And bring them in. And when they've been brought in, the rest of God's people ought to open their arms and love them. Welcome them. Not look down our noses at them. Well, Jesus talked about spiritual power that satisfies. Never thirst again? No, never thirst again. Because he was giving of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at John chapter 7 a moment. Verses 37 and 38 and 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the Spirit, whom they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Oh, listen. When we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. You don't receive the Holy Spirit as a second work of grace. You receive Him when you receive Jesus. And you receive all that you're going to receive of Him. But a lot of times He doesn't receive all of you that He's going to get or that He desires. And so, 
one of the explanations for a believer who does not serve God, who gets all caught up in self-smugness or pride or ill will or low living or carnality is because we have not the Holy Spirit has come into our lives as we receive Christ as our Savior, but we've not allowed Him to have full access to all there is of us. Somehow there's some old rag rug that has been... springing up into everlasting life and you'll never be thirsty again. Now, if you get thirsty again, there's a problem. You either did not take of the water of life or you did not allow the water of life to flow over all the areas of your life. He didn't get the dining room or he didn't get the bedroom or he didn't get the TV room or the recreation room of your life. And as a result, somehow the Holy Spirit has been quenched in our lives and He doesn't have free course through us into the lives of others. This is illustrated by a story from the life of R.A. Torrey. Dr. R.A. Torrey was, uh, grew up in New York. He said when he was a boy, their farm didn't have a well, and they didn't have any water. One day they hired a man to come out from the city and dig a big well near the porch of their house. And they went down, 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 and finally they hit a gusher. And the water just came pouring in and filled that hole, and it was so much of a vein of, of uh, water that it threatened to undermine the foundation of the house. And so Mr. Torrey had to send out and get some men to go down, and, and uh, they lowered a man down through that water, and he plugged the vein up with an old rag rug and then they pumped the water out and for several years that big old hole was empty after some time Mr. Torrey said well you know we need water out here and he saved his money and he got some masonry men to come out and put rock around that well all the way down to the bottom and finally, when they had finished, he said, Now, if you'll look down at the very bottom, you'll see that there's an old rug stuck in a hole. And uh, we're going to lure a man down there, and we'll give you a bell. And when you find that old rag rug, you ring the bell, and we'll pull, we'll pull you up, and you pull that rag rug up, and the water will come in. And so the man went down and he looked and he looked and finally he found that old rag rug that had been put there several years before and he found it and he got hold of it and he rang the bell and the rope tightened and tightened and they began to pull and they pulled and they pulled and, and that rag rug began to give way. And after a little while as the rag rug pulled out, water came gushing in that hole and it filled the whole well clear to the top. The water was there all the time, but it had been stymied by that old rag rug. Is there a rag rug in your life 
that hinders the flow of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for this simple story from Your Word. That we don't have to be thirsty again when we've taken of the water of life. We pray Thou wilt help us to get rid of the old rag rugs out of our lives, whatever they are, jealousy, ill will, emulation, carnality, some impurity, whatever it is, unfaithfulness, and may we yield our lives to Thee that the flow of the Holy Spirit might have free course in our lives and through our lives to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Number 242, out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come to Thee. Let me request, please, that no one leave Give close attention in this closing moment of this service to the Word of God. God's Holy Spirit is speaking. Will you let Him have His way with you? Whoever you are, wherever you are, come to Jesus this morning. If you've never been saved, come and trust Him. Take a drink deep of the water, a, a, a deep drink of the water of life. If you've already been saved but somehow that water flow hasn't had free course. There's, it's been stymied and stuffed up with some old rag rug in your life. Let that thing be pulled out. Give your life back to the Lord. Let Him have free course with you. While we sing, who will come first for the King? Will you step out for Jesus?